Well, good morning again. And if you skipped the opening welcome and announcements, I want to invite you to go back and take a listen. One, because there is a lot going on right now. But two, because we share a couple stories about camp and why we are doubling down as a congregation on investing in this next, gen next generation and the fruit that we're seeing. And the, the thing I forgot to say then that I'll say now is we want to invite you invite you to consider getting involved with our kids, with our teenagers, either right now with this programming or come fall when we, when we start up again. God is doing some great, great, great stuff. Well, the theme that we chose for this year's high school snow camp was be still, be still. And when they arrived on Friday, they came into an environment that was a little different than any of the environments we had created before. It was as warm and as peaceful as we could make it. We, we had the whole room was lit by string lights and Edison bulbs. We had soft acoustic guitar music playing. We even had a seven foot waterfall in the back of the room, little trickling water sounds happening in there. And then the other thing we did is we moved all the chairs for this first session. We said, come in with your pillows, come in with your sleeping bags, come in with your blankets. And so we opened then with this just really chill atmosphere with a couple really soft camp songs that were familiar, that would bring back pleasant memories from camps of the past. And then as the session went on, we started to interject some intentional cognitive dissonance. Because one of the things we always want to do on Friday is to help our teens start to feel, why does this matter? Why are we gathering together? And why is this important that we, we, we have these conversations? So as that session went on, that was so peaceful. We started to talk about what are some of the things stressing you out? And we had this flip chart that was in the front and at the beginning was all nice and blank. And boy, it didn't take us long to fill that flip chart up. We were writing in the margins and, and all over the place. Stephanie was there, she's nodding. Yeah, this, is, this really was. There is so much that's stressing our teens out. So many things that are causing worry and anxiety. Boy, it, it is absolutely there. You know, if it feels like things are getting worse instead of better, when it comes to the stress people are feeling, there are facts to back that up. In fact, here's, here's a statistic or a, a fact that we, we found when we, did, we took a whole series on anxiety not too long ago as a church. The average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 50s. The average child. Kids and teens are not the only ones, too, that are express, experiencing stress and anxiety and fear and worry, are they? You know, right now, um, we just I looked at our, our last um, list that came in for prayer requests. You know, and, and right now, we, we as a church family, we've got people who've recently lost wives and lost husbands, lost mothers, have lost fathers, grandparents, friends. We have people facing significant health issues. We've got several who are waiting to hear back from the doctor with what could be potentially life-altering news from the hospital. We have people grieving, grieving over decisions that, that loved ones have made or are making right now that people are really worried about. 
What if they continue on this path? You have people that are struggling at work, struggling in their marriages. Others who are wondering, you know, I'd like to get married someday. Will that ever be part of my future? And maybe right now, I'm just thinking, maybe right now we're getting some of that cognitive dissonance, right? Stressing, stressing us out a little bit. People are watching the news and they're really concerned, really concerned about cultural trends, about economic trends, about global insecurity and instability, about wars. Before COVID hit, before COVID hit, one in six, one in six Americans have felt the effects of panic attacks. One in six. That's 55 million people in the United States alone. Here's a stat that we looked at when we did that series I talked about in 2018. The United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Did COVID make it better? Oh. No, I, I took my Valentine out to brunch on, uh, on Monday. Uh, and we went to a, a little boutique. And I didn't anticipate I was going to come back with anything from the boutique. But I saw this on the wall. And it caught my attention. It says, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I am changing the things I cannot accept. Can you take this too far? Of course. But I don't think the problem is with churches taking this too far. I think the problem right now is churches aren't taking this far enough. The disciples of Jesus changed the world. Can I get an amen? They changed the world. And you looked at the odds stacked against them? Come on. Come on. If you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down. There is real hope. There is real hope for those who seek help from the right source. This is true of stress and anxiety. This is true of so many things. There's real hope, real hope from those who seek help from the right source. The God of Abraham, the God of covenant promises has proven time and time again that he is able and he is faithful to do the things he said he'd do. And imagine if, Imagine if the world, as they are trending more and more one direction, imagine if we started to look more and more different and we were actually trending the other direction, a healthier direction. Imagine how we would stand out. Well, three weeks ago, we began a prequel to Lent. and We called it Follow Me a prequel series to our Lent series called Follow Me. And these weeks leading up to Lent, we've been focusing on a very specific section of scripture. Luke chapter four, verse one, through Luke chapter nine, verse 50. In this section, Jesus begins by making a bold declaration. He says, this prophecy in Isaiah 61, it's in fulfillment because I'm here. And then he went out and started doing those things, those very things that that prophecy foretold. And then, as we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, Jesus started calling disciples to be a part of this movement. Started calling these people, come and join me in this work. Well, this morning, we're going to zero in on an aspect of discipleship that is extremely relevant to our situation. If you're taking notes, I want to invite, write this down. Disciples of Jesus can experience peace even in the midst of a storm. If you have a Bible with you, here we go. Let's open up 
to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. If you don't have a Bible at home, if you go to Bible.com, there is a great free Bible app that you can download, which coincidentally, we'll talk about this in a little bit, our theme verse was um, for last weekend was Isaiah, uh, Psalm 4610. Guess what the, the uh, verse of the day on Bible.com was while we were up there on Sunday? It was Psalm 46, verse 10. That's, that was really fun. All right, here we go. Uh, let's start with verses 22 through 23. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and they were in danger. This section of scripture that we've been exploring together, this Luke 4.1 through Luke um, 9.50, it all takes place in the same region, the region of Galilee. And this lake they're talking about here, this is the Sea of Galilee. It is a known location. That lake is known for its storms. The Sea of Galilee, it sits about 400 feet below sea level. It has these big hills around it. And so when the cool air comes over the hills, it hits that warm air that had been right over the water. You can end up with some big storms and raging waves. And that's what's going on here. All right, let's go to verse 24. And the disciples went and they woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he woke and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. One of the reasons why it's so good to read, not just little sections of scripture here and there, but to read books of the Bible all in one, um, you know, in, in one stretch is if you'd been doing that with Luke 4, you'd see that re word rebuke that's used here. That's not the first time it shows up. Jesus has, has rebuked. And before we get some of those examples, let's remember what rebuke means. Rebuke is a word that means, hey, what you're doing is not what you should be doing. And Jesus did that in multiple locations. In, in Luke, Jesus rebukes demons. He rebukes them. And when he does, they're rendered powerless. He rebuked disease. And even rebuked disease, people were healed. When Jesus rebukes the sea, the wind and the waves, it becomes calm. There's a way that things should be. And when Jesus brings a rebuke, he's bringing back things to the way they should be. When Jesus speaks, his words have power. They have authority. All right, let's continue on with this, this story, on this account, I should say, this real account. Jesus said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who is this? He commands even winds and water. And they obey him. That's significant, rebuking wind and waves. Well, who does Jesus rebuke right here? He rebukes the disciples. He rebukes his disciples. He says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? We're going to circle back to that in just a few minutes. You know, Luke is not the only first century author to record this event. It shows up in other gospels as well. In Mark's gospel, Mark adds that the disciples, when they were in fear, they were shouting, don't you care if we drown? 
you know, I think about that question and I think about where so many people are at and, and, and haven't we all felt that at some point if we're a, a God follower, haven't you, we all experienced some moment where we're like, God, don't you care? Don't you care what's going on right now? Don't you care that I'm drowning or my friends are drowning or my family's drowning or our nation's drowning? Don't you care? Mark records how Jesus expressed his words when he gave that rebuke to the wind and the waves. This is from Mark 4.39. Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, he said, peace, be still. Those are the words he used, peace, be still. He spoke that into a storm. Peace, be still. Two weeks ago, Joel did a great job of unpacking another incident with some of these same disciples. And guess where it took place? On the same lake. And it was another defining moment, wasn't it? It was a moment so defining, they went from calling him master to calling him Lord. Did you notice what they reverted back to? To master. And this calming, this this second incident here on this lake, this calming of the wind and the waves, this is more than a reminder that that he was Lord. This even takes it to a whole nother level. Whole nother level. When the storm came upon the disciples, Mark used one Greek verb to to say they were afraid. It was interesting looking at what the scholars were saying. They said he used a different word after the storm was called, calmed another Greek verb that meant they were more afraid. After it was calm, they were more afraid. If the disciples knew their Psalms, they may have been familiar with this verse, Psalm 107, for these verses, Psalm 107, 28 through 29 says, see if this sounds at all familiar. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. What were Jesus' words to the storm? Be Still, and the waves and the wind were hushed. When, whenever you see the Lord in caps in, in your Old Testament Bibles, that's because many of the Old Testament, what they're trying to do there is capture. This is referring to the covenant God of, 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 of the Hebrew people. This is Yahweh. What Yahweh is, is ascribed to doing in Psalm 107, who just does that now? This is Jesus. This is the person they're in the boat with is doing the things that God does. Oh, you know, if you have your Bibles open, this is really interesting. Look at, look at what comes right after this. So you talk about a stressful day, right? Jesus is in the midst of this storm where everyone's almost dying and people are yelling and everything. Look at the next header. If you got your Bible, look at this. Right after that, Jesus heals a man who doesn't just have a demon. He's got a legion of demons in this guy. And, and it's manifest in such a way they can't even bind this guy with chains. And Jesus is now confronting this person face to face. And then look what comes right after that. Jesus is brought into a situation where a father is about to lose his only son. Jesus, can you help me with this? And on the way, Jesus is literally reached out to by a woman who's had this condition that nobody could heal her from for 12 years. So that's going on. And then before he can get to heal this guy's daughter, she dies. 
all of this is happening all around Jesus. Jesus is no stranger to storms. This is one day in the life of Jesus. He's no stranger to storms. And his disciples can experience peace even in a storm as well. Well, before we bring our time together as a close, what I want to look at is let's look at some things that we can learn from Jesus' life as our master, as our Lord, that can help us because we face storms. So let's look at some of these. And the first one here that I want to invite you to really reflect on is the, this. Put Jesus' teachings into practice. That's where it all starts, doesn't it? If you want to experience peace, be still, hear his words and put them into practice. If you have your Bible open, go ahead and look at what comes right before this. Right before this, this incident of the storm, peace be still. It says this, Luke 8, 19 through 21. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach Jesus because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, so my mother, my brother, they're the ones who hear the word of God and what? And do it. This is a theme that Luke repeats in multiple variations throughout the book of Luke. Last week, Pastor Jason brought up one of these. Luke 6, 46. So Jesus says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? In fact, that one, he anchors to this whole storm metaphor. He goes on to say, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, they're like a wise person who digs down deep and anchors to the rock. And when the storms come, when the floodwaters come, that building is secure. If you don't put my words into practice, it's like building on a foundation of sand. When the storms come, there's going to be a collapse. At camp, <laughs> we were very direct, very direct. At our communion service, we just called it like it is. We said, stupid is stressful, we said. Stupid is stressful, isn't it? Stupid decisions lead to a whole lot of stress. Whole lot of stress. Stupid is like you're in a small boat and there's a storm and you start drilling holes in the bottom of it. And you, you take your compass and you throw it over the side and you say, I don't need this rudder. That's stupid. That's stupid and stupid is stressful. And then we went further. We said, sin is stressful. You want to turn up the dial of stress in your life. Disobey the one who loves you most the one who created the world. Go ahead and, and just do your own thing. You know, if you want more stress, the quickest way I know <laughs> is to be stupid, sin, which are both really very similar. The way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is a path that leads away from stupid. It leads away from sin. If you want to experience a piece of Christ, right? Here is words, put them into practice. Here is another key, another key. Prepare your mind before the philosophical becomes personal. We spent time on this in the past, um, so I won't go into a whole lot of depth here, 
but other than just to say a few things. Imagine if you knew a major storm was coming. You don't wait to set up your tent during the storm, do you? Have you ever tried that? Some of you ever tried? Probably not by design. Okay, we have people in here that have tried. You try to set your, your tent up in a storm. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. Or imagine if you knew that storm was going to be so strong, it was going to knock out power for days, maybe weeks. It was going to knock out water. It was going to, to shut down all the stores. where You, could, you would want to stock up ahead of time. You would want to resource yourself ahead of time. What did Jesus teach us? He taught us we should expect. We should expect trials. We should expect tribulations. We should expect that hard and tragic things are going to happen. Boy, if you don't have a framework for that, when a storm comes, it can be absolutely devastating. Because now, do you not only feel the effects of that storm, you're like, where, where is my God in this? In this week's ECC email, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into more detail about why I believe the, the problem of evil, it is not a philosophical problem. It's, it's personal. It, it makes logical sense why there would be hard things in this world. It's, it's personal in that, but God, why? Why? Don't you care that I'm drowning? For now, what I will just do is I want to recommend um, this one uh, resource here. This is the best book I've ever seen on this subject. It's Timothy Keller's Walking with God Through Pain and, and, and Suffering. It does such a good job of pulling from the scriptures and helping us get a framework for why things are the way they are in this time between the times and the time between sin entering the world and the time when Jesus comes back. It's, it's the best treatment I've ever seen from a scriptural basis on that. Storms will come. They'll come. Jesus told us they will. They'll come. And when those thoughts fill our mind, thoughts like, God, are you sleeping through this? Don't you care that I'm drowning? A distinctly Christian framework is one of the most helpful assets you can have. All right, well, the framework that I'm referencing here, it would be incomplete without this. Read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Before, during, after. Read the Psalms. The Psalms, if you're not familiar with the Bible, they are a collection of, of, of ancient sacred songs and poems that you find right in the heart of the Bible. Right in the heart of the Bible. And, and how many of you know Jesus quoted Psalms on the cross? When he was on the cross, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. And within that psalm, there's some very interesting passages about hands and feet being pierced, of garments being gambled for. If Jesus quoted psalms in his moment on the cross, is it possible that they could help us as well? In fact, I remember an especially challenging season that I had. It was a season I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. It's so complicated. I, I don't know how to pray. I just, Psalm 23, over and over and over. This year's theme I mentioned a little bit earlier for, for high school snow camp. It came from Psalm 4610, which says, be still and know that I'm God. And what we did is we looked into that 
that psalm and we looked at what it says. Boy, this psalm is not just talking about the kind of stress that you can overcome with breathing techniques. Right? Look at this. Psalm 46, just the first two verses. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. This is a peace that can be accessed even when the foundations that we're standing on are shaken. Many of the Psalms, many of the Psalms are attributed to a man named David. Consider his life. This is a, a guy who as a young boy, he faced lions. He faced bears out in the wilderness alone. He faced a giant warrior with a sling and some stones. He was hunted by the king of Israel. Who he, when he became king, he, he felt the stress of leading a nation in times of war. He had an illicit affair that he tried to cover up with the murder of the woman's husband, and this got revealed. His own son led an insurrection against him, tried to kill him. These songs, these poems that he wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're, they're taking us to moments like these. They're raw, they're real. They, they testify to a God who is engaged in our messes, in our world, in our history, a God who is faithful and true. These are words that will remain even if the earth itself gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Here's number four. Number four. It's related to this one too. Curate your playlist. Curate your playlist. On the night of his own betrayal, does anyone know what Jesus did right as they were about to leave the upper room and go to the Mount of Olives. They, does anyone know? Especially from our worship band. They? They sang. They sang. They sang. You know, at camp, one of the things that we made is this point that science is catching up with Scripture. Throughout the Psalms and elsewhere in the Bible, much is made about what are we filling our minds with? What are we reflecting on? Science confirms the importance of this. Here's a quote we came across during that anxiety series. I'll provide a link to that series in this ECC mail that I've referenced to um, that we'll, we'll send up this coming week. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously redirect or direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. New thought networks grow. We increase our intelligence and bring healing to our brains, our minds, and our physical bodies. Scripture says this, science backs it up. Jesus once asked the blind man, a really interesting question, what do you want me to do for you? That, this last weekend, that was running through my head almost constantly as I'm looking out at these teams. What do you want me to do? Because there's nothing we can do if you just continue in doing what you're doing. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? This is an important part of that. Filling your mind. Filling your mind with the right types of thoughts. If you want to be well, here's a key question. Does your playlist remind you of who God is? 
Does your playlist remind you of who God is? Many of you tuned in for our whatever series that we did. Our jumping off point was this passage. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and look at the promise associated with this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the me is Paul, a disciple of Jesus, a person who was discipled after Jesus' death and resurrection here, through, through the Holy Spirit, practice these things. Practice these things. And what does it say? The God of peace. The God of peace will be with you. Music and media are powerful. So powerful. Another thing that I'll include in this coming ECC mail are some songs that sustained my friend Joyce through years and years of being confined to a bed, unable to talk or even control most of her body. And there's a spiritual component to this too. In scripture, we got a precedent of King David as he sings these songs to King Saul when King Saul was troubled by an oppressive spirit. What happened when that music would come, the spirit would leave him. And we've had experiences with that at camps. We had one year where we, there was up on the, this hill at one of these camps we were at, independently, we didn't know this until we started comparing notes, independently, weird things were happening in these cabins. I personally saw a shadow at night in my cabin move. Other people were having these dreams, these experiences. It was interesting. I was telling this story at the camp. And all of a sudden, one of the, our leaders was doing this. Shonda. Shonda, she was there. And she was at one of the, in one of those cabins. And so she's going, yeah, I remember this. One of the things we did is we bought praise music into each of these cabins. We had no more problems after praying and including that music. I remember another time in another camp, we were having so many problems with this one cabin of guys. I walk into that cabin while well, our knucklehead cabin leaders were playing this, this music. I could just feel this, this, this something different. We got that music out and things changed. It, it, music is powerful. In 2020 and 2021, in these tough years we've been in, hasn't some of the best music in years come out? Some of the best music in years was written during this hard time. Music makes a huge difference, as does the rest of our media. All right, last one. Last one, another practice so important. Find your people. Didn't Jesus model this? Find your people. I cannot overestimate how important this is. To find people who know and love you and who you know and love. Because when the storms come, none of us are gonna be able to just weather it alone, right? And when it comes to these storms, you wanna have friends and coaches and counselors. A coach or counselor, that's generally one way. They're helping us. Friendship is two ways. And one of the things I wanna challenge some of, some of us on who are listening here, if you find yourself in what you think is a friendship, but you are only taking, that's not a friendship. Make sure that if you want to build a friendship, you're giving, you're supporting, you're caring, you're listening to. Otherwise, they're coaching you. It's a different type of thing. The best way to find a friend is to be the kind of friend that you're looking for. 
And if you're looking for a coach or counselor, make sure they're one of those good shepherds where they're not just telling you what you want to hear. They love you enough to point you to the way of Jesus. They love you enough to tell you the hard things too and walk with you through that. All right, well, there you go. If we had more time, what we'd do is we'd format this into something that looks more like an official checklist. Like you're about to take off in an airplane. This really matters. Boom, boom, boom. Right, or something from FEMA. Something that looks like that because these really matter. Putting Jesus' teachings into practice, preparing your mind before the philosophical gets personal, reading the Psalms, curating your playlist, finding your people. All of these are anchored to the teaching and example of Jesus. Well, let's, let's bring this then to a close close here. Remember that question. The disciples asked one another right before Jesus calmed the storm. They said, or right after he did that, they said, who is this? Who is this? By chapter 9, verse 20, Peter had an answer, didn't he? Here's what it says, Luke 9, verse 20, after seeing all these things. Jesus said to him, who do you say I am? Peter's like, you're the Christ. You're the Christ of God. Take one more look at that account of Jesus calming the storm and look at what comes after. If you, if you open up in, in your scripture, look what comes after. He, remember those, those things we looked at? Jesus brought peace where there was fear. Jesus brought peace where an enemy, the enemy once had a foothold. Jesus brought peace to a woman who needed healing. Jesus brought peace to a family experiencing loss. Which of those can we do as his disciples? Which of those things can we do? All of them. All of them. And if you have your Bible open, Look what comes after those, right after those. Jesus sends out those disciples that had been in the boat. There's a whole series there called Barely Ready, right? Right after he sends them out. And what did he give them? He gave them the authority to do what he did, to do what he did. There's one last thing I invite you to write down this morning. Here it is. Disciples of Jesus can extend peace even in a storm. Can I get an amen? Not just experience it. We can extend it. Where is your faith? Jesus asked. Well, let's seal our time together with a song that proclaims the faith that we have in Jesus. He's our anchor to the ground. He's our hope. He's our firm foundation in times like these. The world needs to see that in our day, there are people that not only believe this, but are experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives as they anchor to these promises. The people who can introduce them to the one who can bring peace into their storms. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you invite us not only to experience peace, but to extend it. Lord, I think a lot of us feel barely ready, if ready at all. But thank you for believing in us. Help us to sing into, sing into the people we can become. In Jesus' name, amen.